In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What many, many people are experiencing on all sides of the political spectrum could be summarized and called a hatred of this world, a hatred of its corrupt institutions, its upside-down morals, its fundamental unfairness. The little guy will largely be told precisely what freedoms he has and does not have, which of course is no real freedom at all. A deeper reflection leads one to see that the corruption deep within humanity is precisely what prevents any kind of utopian state to exist. Indeed, if the previous century demonstrated anything to us, it's that the pursuit of utopia brings nothing but pain and sorrow. Gas chambers, gulags, world wars. We've even seen this in our own days with the burning of cities and churches and rioting. The human pursuit of heaven on earth leads only to hell on earth. A deeper reflection still, and one that requires profound honesty, will lead us to see that the corruption of the world, the corruption of humanity, can in fact be found within each individual heart. Our flaws, our disordered desires, our inability to be as we want to be, belong not only to the whole of humanity, but to each individual member of humanity. They may differ from one man to another, but they differ only in degree. If each man were to speak truthfully, he would say, the world is evil because I am evil. The world cannot be made just, cannot be made good, precisely because I cannot even make myself just. I cannot even make myself be good. Our Lord had a rather profound thing to say, and I think it touches on this meditation. He said, the one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. This world our lives, the lives of those around us are unfixable. And this is not by accident. They are unfixable by design. That through hatred of this fallen world, through hatred of fallen humanity, through hatred of our own fallen selves, we would be driven to the only one who can fix what we cannot, to the only one who can make things right. We heard in our Old Testament lesson today how God designed our world in goodness, and yet we fell away. Now he has redesigned our world that all things might push us back to him. Last week, we meditated on the mystery of holy baptism as Paul teaches it in the sixth chapter of his letter to the Romans. In baptism, he says, we are buried with Christ so that we might also be raised with him. We are buried with him and so that even now we might walk in newness of life. What then is God's answer to the breach between God and man? 
It is in the first place that God pursues man even to the point of becoming man himself. God's answer to man's sin is that God would take man's sin as his own and atone for all mankind's sins on the cross. God's answer to our demand for his death is that he would indeed submit himself to us and indeed die by our hand precisely that we might live, that death might be swallowed up by life and hatred be swallowed up by love. Jesus is the one through whom all things were made. When he becomes man and wraps himself in creation, he does so to make an end and a new beginning. His death is in a very real sense the end of the fallen world. His resurrection is, in the same sense, the dawn of a new creation. He is, after all, firstborn from the dead. So we as individuals and collectively as the Holy Christian Church are drawn into this new creation by way of baptism, buried with Jesus that we might be raised with him, united with Jesus in his death so that even now we might walk in newness of life. And now today we hear of what that new life consists. Recall where we began our thinking just a few moments ago with the evil of this world, the evil of humanity, and the evil within our own hearts. All of this Paul calls slavery. Slavery to impurity and lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. Slavery is so apt and fitting because there is no way for us to escape it. Paul writes, For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to lawless, lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. There's a delightful paradox here. Freedom from sin is precisely slavery to righteousness. When we seek freedom from God and freedom from His commandments, we don't, in fact, become free. We become slaves. On the other hand, when we seek to be slaves of God and slaves of his commandments, we, in fact, become free. It's a zero-sum game. As St. Paul writes, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You were loosed from the requirements of righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Without Christ, without baptism, without faith, what do you have? Only slavery to sin, to shameful deeds, and to death. But now in Christ, baptized into his death and resurrection, and believing in his name, what do you have? Newness of life, 
fruitful deeds that lead to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, writes St. Paul, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, if you are a slave of sin, if sin is your master, then the wage sin will give you for all your faithful service is death. But if you are a slave of righteousness, if God is your master, then he will give you, interesting, Paul doesn't use the word wages, does he? He will give you not wages, but the free gift. The free gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. On this particular point, the fourth century church father, John Chrysostom, wrote, after speaking of the wages of sin, Paul doesn't say the wages of good deeds, but the gift of God to show that it was not of themselves that they were freed, nor was it a due that they received, neither yet a return nor a recompense of labors, but by grace. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here we come to yet another rather profound thought. The only reason we hate this world and long for it to be different is because we all know deep down that it should be. What goes around for us comes around for all of humanity. We all know that it should be different. We all long in our hearts for it to be different, and yet we are incapable of making it so by our own labors. What St. Paul writes is that all this will be given to us, not by our labors, but by the free gift of God in Christ Jesus. By grace, all things are being made new. By grace, he is making a new human race born from the baptismal font, born from the dead, a new you and a new me. And the genesis of it all, if you'll pardon the pun, is a new creation by water and spirit. The very things we see in Genesis chapter 1, where the spirit is hovering over the face of the waters, our Lord Jesus now connects this to holy baptism. A Genesis, again, a new birth of water and spirit. And so it is true that we are sons of God. St. Paul also tells us that we are slaves of God. So each morning, when we do as the Catechism instructs, when we rise and make the sign of the cross, remembering our baptism, which is a lot better way than grumbling or cursing at the alarm clock, we make the sign of the cross in remembrance of our baptism, and we remember that we are God's children. We also remember that we are God's slaves. And there is no shame in this. In fact, paradoxically, this slavery to God is the definition of freedom. Our comfort, of course, 
is that salvation is not based upon our performance as God's slaves. For the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And yet we do indeed recognize that Christ has set us free from the condemnation of the law, but not from its content. Christ has set us free no longer to serve sin, but to serve righteousness. Christ has set us free, paradoxically and delightfully, to be slaves of God. And this because we are not our own. We have been bought at a price, as St. Paul writes to the Corinthians. We have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. We belong to him, and therefore we are not at all ashamed to call ourselves his slaves. Indeed, this is the very way in which Paul introduces himself to the Christians in Rome in this very letter. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. So perhaps we need a new hymn, a hymn to go along with God's own child, I gladly say it. God's own slave, I gladly say it. I am baptized into Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>